0: here we go again. Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to today's podcast of the Miller Frost Show. I am your host, Miller Frost, here as always with my fake black friend, white boy, Malcolm X. And remember, if you want to get hold of me, you can do that a couple different ways. My email is Miller at MillerFrostOnline.com. And my parlor handle, that is at MillerFrost. And folks, You know, I hate to admit it. I do not mean to come onto this podcast and bleed on the audience as they say, but I have to confess, and you're going to figure it out soon enough, but I'm in a bit of a cranky mood today. Sorry in advance, and it just is as it is. I will try to make the best of it. We're going to have fun, but yes, I am in a cranky mood today, so I will see what I can do to cheer up. This podcast always cheers me up, so I'm sure by the end, even though White by Malcolm X, I don't think I told you this. We, folks, we do not have a smoking gun story to end this program, right? We have gay at the front and no smoking gun at the back. This is what I get for using two smoking gun stories on Sunday. That's how cranky I am. I am pissed off that I don't even have a smoking gun story to finish this show off. I'm not even sure what we're finishing on, but we will figure that out when we get there. And yes, White by Malcolm X, I want a short program. So let's try to keep it at uh, under an hour and 10 minutes if we can. Man, oh man, I cannot wait for the weekend. Two more days. White Boy Malcolm X, speaking of this weekend, are we finally going to tackle that Zach, uh, what's his name uh, movie? The four-hour epic uh, Justice League. Snyder, thank you. For some reason, I had Zach Efron on the mind. And no, you silly queens out there, it was not because of that. I don't know. When you hear Zach, I just think Zach Efron. Zack Snyder is the director's name. It is the Zack Snyder cut of the uh, Justice League movie. So we will t- it's like 4 hours. Jesus Christmas. That's going to be like a two-night thing. You better come over Friday as well. We can do like a 2 hours there and 2 hours on Saturday. I don't want to deal with all of that in one sitting. And then I can I can have color commentary on Sunday's program for that. So let's go ahead and jump into the news quick hits again. I want a short show, White Blue Malcolm X, so start, I don't know, throw something at me if I'm talking too much. So, this first story is from Campus Reform FSU. Class on the history of Karen uses KKK photo to promote class on white womanhood. And folks, I put this in my queue and then I saw this morning that it looks like they had canceled that yesterday. I think there was a Daily Caller, Daily Wire story about how they had canceled the class, but I'm still going to report on it because I want you to learn. I want you to hear about what they want to put into place. And they uh, they actually caved on this one, but uh, you think this is not going to pop up later? You are wrong. <laughs> so here are a couple of pull quotes in this article. An upcoming class, which again, folks, has been canceled, at Florida State University promises to examine the weaponizing of white womanhood. I told you women <laughs> No one wants to believe me, but they are going to come after you as well. According to a flyer for the Summer 2021 section of WST-4930, the discussion will cover the history of Karen. The poster includes a cartoon portraying an emoji character with a stereotypical hairstyle along with an image of a woman draped in Klan hoods. And if you think that's bad, I got more for you. The poster also predominantly features a quote attributed to New York Times columnist Charles Blow, and if you don't know who Charles Blow is, he is a noted bisexual, and what do we say about bisexuals on this program? They will do anyone, so Charles Blow has no standards, and he works for the New York Times, so he is, he is another woke clown, as I like to call them. The activation of white terror is a white woman's soft power, the poster reads, We like to masculinize white supremacy to presume it reeks of testosterone when, in fact, it is just as likely to be spritzed by perfume. I just hope not Sarah Jessica Parker (laughs) perfume, because at that point a rapey kangaroo might show up and get you. So I hope you suburban white women out there who uh, hated Donald Trump, bad orange man, and you voted for this, you voted for Biden and all that wokeness that comes with that administration, I hope you are enjoying yourself because they are going after you as well. And all you good white liberals out there complaining about other white people, (laughs) it is not going to help you either. They're going to throw you in the mix with the rest of us. I guess that's more that white rage we keep hearing (laughs) about. All these uh, evil women out there. And see, I told you folks, I thank God every day that I'm gay. (laughs) No, I'm kidding. I do love women. But they're like kids. I can send them home to their husbands. I don't have to deal with them after a certain point in time. From C N S News, Pete Buttigieg, that pocket queen wiped by Malcolm X. He is back, and no, folks, yet again his height or lack thereof escapes us. Like I said before, that is a state secret. Just like the number of immigrant children locked in cages down by the border, that is a state secret. We still do not know how short. Pete Buttigieg is. But anyway, Buttigieg, mileage tax not part of the conversation about this infrastructure bill. And this, folks, had been floated, I guess, a couple days ago, and it was met with universal scorn. So I guess they are backtracking on that. But here are a couple poll pull quotes there. President Joe Biden plans to announce his bill back better infrastructure proposal on Wednesday. And I don't think I have seen any news on that, but uh, oh, well, too late. We will report on that on Sunday. A massive job creation plan with a reported price tag of 3 trillion to 4 trillion dollars. <laughs> Who cares? At this point, folks, we're 30 trillion in debt. What's 35? What's 40? Hell Joe, you creepy hair sniffer you. <laughs> Make it 30, 40 trillion. Who cares? It's all play money at this point. Just print some more. I will probably not be around when this all implodes. Or if I am around, I'll be <laughs> I'll be a senile and in a nursing home and then Andrew Kumo's grandkid who is the uh, governor at that time, they can kill me off with some new disease from China. Tax hikes on wealthy Americans, those earning 400000 plus a year, will pay for part of it, Biden said. But Transportation Secretary and Pocket Queen Pete Buttigieg says a higher gas tax and vehicle mileage tax are not part of the conversation about this infrastructure bill. And I wonder, White Boy Malcolm X, if it was really universal scorn that killed that off, if people were like, <laughs> That is crazy talk, or do you think it was Chaston? I can see Chaston Buttigieg, his husband, that low rank queen from Indiana. I can see him going, Pete, I am just not happy about this mile of taxes. I like to drive all over it, and I am not paying that tax. I'm going to tell you right now, you get to drive around in government vehicles. You don't have to pay that tax, but I'm going to have to pay that tax. And I'm sorry, girlfriend, if I want to drive somewhere, I am not going to pay a tax. So you better change that, or you're not getting any sex from me, bitch. Pete was like, oh, no, I better change that. I better go to Creepy Uncle Joe the hair sniffer and beg him not to put this in place because I need to get laid by my low-rent husband. (laughs) Okay, then, pocket queen Pete. Hey, anyway, thank you for not imposing that. I like to drive. But now that it's been proposed, you mark my words, folks. That is coming at some point in the future. From Boston.com, CDC Director... COVID Karen, has feeling of impending doom amid new spike. <gasps> Uh-oh. Let's find out more about this. The head of the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention made an impassioned plea to Americans Monday not to let their guard down in the fight against COVID-19, warning of a potential fourth wave of the virus and saying she has a recurring feeling of <gasps> impending doom. Man, we, I wish we had like an echo... We need some sort of echo sound effect for that, White Boy Malcolm X. Remind me the next time. Speaking during a virtual White House briefing, Dr. Rochelle Walensky, who is a COVID Karen, no doubt, grew emotional as she reflected on her experience treating COVID-19 patients who are alone at the end of their lives. We have so much to look forward to, so much promise and potential of where we are, and so much reason for hope, she said. But right now, I'm scared. And she continued, I'm going to lose the script, and I'm going to, I guess that means she's going to flip out, and I'm going to reflect on the recurring feeling I have of impending doom, she said. You know, folks, I guess it must be nice being Dr. Rochelle Walensky. I wonder, though, I just, I have a theory, I would like to see if... These folks that keep saying we have to lock everything down, COVID care here, right? You have to lock it all down, keep it all locked down and keep it locked down ad infinitum, right? We can just keep printing more money and paying people to stay home. And uh, she gets to do whatever she wants because she can work remote. But I wonder, folks, I wonder if we took her job away and took away her ability to earn a paycheck. If we say, you know, we're going to just shut the CDC down anyway. You guys are a bunch of clowns. (laughs) We can't trust you anyway. We're just going to shut it down. No paycheck for you. You can sit your ass at home and eat bonbons and collect unemployment like the rest of the the folks out there. I wonder if she would feel the same way, if she would have this dramatic effect of, oh, there's impending doom out there. Well, we're going to take away your paycheck. Oh, I think we should reopen everything. I think I'm going to move to Florida where everything's open. You know, I've seen the research that was done. It's been in a a number of different news articles about they looked at California and they looked at Florida, right? One is very open. One is very shut down, right? And their, their spike rates and their death rates, right? Florida spiked earlier than California, but at the end of the day, they have roughly the same death rates. But Florida does not have near the economic destruction that California has, right? So at the end of the day, the lockdowns have not worked effectively. And she wants to just keep locking everything down and keeping people, uh, keeping people at home. And I can't control Mama Frost anyway, folks. She has got her vaccination. She got two shots and that woman wouldn't stay home beforehand. And she's in South Carolina, right? And they don't really give a crap down there. They're open. They're going out. They're having fun. So, you know, I don't know what to tell you, Dr. Rochelle Walensky. People just are tired of this. They do not want to keep this up anymore. They can't keep this up. A lot of folks cannot. This is unsustainable for them. And handing them a paltry $1,400 check every six or eight months doesn't work. These people just wear me out, white boy Malcolm X. I'll tell you what. Uh Uh-oh, folks. Someone else got canceled. From the Washington Examiner, Captain Underpants. Captain Underpants, white boy Malcolm X. I actually had to Google that because I'm like, who is Captain Underpants? And I knew you queens out there going, who is Captain Underpants? I just want to hear all about that. Who is that stud? Folks, you need to Google Captain Underpants because it ain't no stud. But anyway, Captain Underpants author, the latest to have book pulled over concerns of (gasps) passive racism. Uh Uh-oh, let's find out more about that. Scholastic pulled distribution of a children's book written by the Captain Underpants series author over concerns the book promoted passive racism. And this is a statement from Scholastic. Scholastic has removed the book from our websites, stopped fulfillment of any orders domestically or abroad, contacted our retail partners to explain why this book is no longer available, and sought a return of all inventory. So they're going to burn those books, White Boy Malcolm X. They are going to burn Captain Underpants. We will take steps to inform schools and libraries who may still have this title in circulation of our decision to withdraw from publication, they said, noting that the decision was made with the full support of the book's author, no doubt with a gun to his head. Together, we recognize that this book perpetuates passive racism. We are deeply sorry. They are deeply sorry, folks, for this serious mistake, the company said. And so I'm like, man, Captain Underpants, this children's book, what the hell? Passive racism? This is out there? So I, like I said, folks, I Googled it, right? And so I'm, first of all, they got some really entertaining titles here. First off, obviously, the adventure of Captain Underpants. The attack of the talking toilets. White Boy Malcolm X, listen to this. The perilous plot of Professor Poopy <laughs> God, The wrath of the wicked wedgie woman. Of course, you women, we know you're out there giving wedgies and being racist to everyone. The preposterous plight of the purple potty people. And the terrifying return of tippy tinkle trousers. <laughs> God. Man, White Boy Malcolm X, I'll tell you what, that... That is some serious water sports scat fetish going on there by whoever wrote these books. Someone has a a little bit of a fixation on bowel movements. And folks, if you don't know what water sports or scat is, well, uh, how do I put that? I will put it more clinically more along the lines of europhilia and coprophilia. And I will let you Google that on your own. Let that get in your search history. (laughs) You're like, oh, I want to know what europhilia is. and Oh my goodness. (laughs) And then the NSA is like, oh man, that's a sicko. We got to keep an eye on that one. So you guys have fun with that. But folks, I saw all this and I saw that, you know, these books are literally being pulled, right? They are canceling all orders they are asking everyone to mail them back they're coordinating with schools to pull these things off the shelf I know that a lot of refunds going on they're probably going to burn these books or do something with them they're going to recycle them dispose of them these books are gone unless they are on someone's shelf right now these books are gone from history over passive racism passive racism exists in all these books and there are over a dozen of these books I could read you all the titles but I folks I do not want to turn on the Europhiliacs and copperphiliacs who might be listening to this podcast and doing weird stuff with themselves as I'm reading off titles like the sensational saga of Sir Stinks-a-Lot, right? They'll be like, ha, oh, ha, oh, Sir Stinks-a-Lot, ha, oh, that sounds really good to me, right? I don't want to do that. I do not want to encourage anyone to do any of that kind of weird stuff listening to this podcast and not want to be known as the, uh, the home of this sort of kink. So you folks out there listening to this podcast, don't touch yourself if I mention things like that. But anyway, so folks, I'm like, this is incredible to me. I mean, all of this, this whole saga of these books and this passive racism out being out there. And I'm like, man, how long has this been out there? Folks, The Adventure of Captain Underpants was released in 1997. The Attack of the Talking Toilets. And again, folks, you folks out there, you europhiliacs, coprophiliacs, quit it. Just quit it right now. I'm not doing this to turn you on. I'm just trying to make a point here. 1999 was that, the Talking Toilets book came out. The Invasion of the Incredibly Naughty Cafeteria Ladies from Outer Space and the Subsequent Assault on the Equally Evil Lunchroom Zombie Nerds, don't ask, was also 1999. Folks, these books have been out there for over twenty-three, twenty-four 24 years. Some of these books have been out there. The latest one that was released, The Sensational Saga of Sir Stinks-A-Lot, was in 2015, six years ago. So suddenly, folks, these books that have been out there from six to 24 years, suddenly, oops, there's passive racism in there, shazam. Look what we found in these books that have been on the shelves for decades in some cases. So I love these leftists. Now they're butthurt about, about Sir Stinks-A-Lot, right? So now they are all verklempt. Now they've gotten themselves worked into a tizzy about all this passive racism that just flew under the radar for decades. Not the, uh, not the brightest bulbs in the shop, these woke folk, these woke clowns who find these things in books. I have no doubt, folks, at your local library in addition to the homeless doing stuff to themselves in front of the computers, in front of your kids, I'm sure there are a whole lot of woke clowns down there going through the bookshelves trying to find passive racism and all sorts of things. They're like, oh, that is a white author. Just take that off the shelf. We know there's passive racism in there. Go look for it. You know, go find anything, (laughs) right? They're going to pull half the library down, most of the library down, except folks, except the woke section. So Ibram X. Kendi, you know what that could do? If they've got all this empty book space, they can buy more copies of Ibram X. Kendi's books, right? They can put all, that, uh, all those books on the shelves. They can make him even more rich, right? He's already a, a millionaire, probably a couple times over. They can make him even more rich. They can buy What's-Her-Name's book, White Fragility. They can get uh, Robin D'Angelo. Thank you, White Bram X. Robin D'Angelo's book. They can just have like 50 copies of each of these woke books lining the shelves, right? Because they have cleared the way of all that passive racism. So you, you go get them out there, you woke clowns. And finally, folks, the last of our news quick hits. This is from the Sun. Soccer star Paulo Dybala, whoever that is, model girlfriend censored by TikTok over controversial video. And I see the words TikTok, and what do I want to do? Slap someone. Not literally, folks. I am not advocating for violence. Calm down out there. I am just talking about uh, thinking about slapping them. I just these little TikTok dances and all this other stuff. Slap him, right? Not like that capital B black guy from Sunday's podcast, that guy that got out of his car and punched that little 12-year-old white kid, punched him for a cultural appropriation for doing some hip-hop dance on the street in Cape Girardeau, Missouri, even though, folks, even though that stupid little white kid had a capital B black hip-hop instructor with him, he still got punched. So nothing like that. Don't worry about that, folks. But, you know, I see TikTok and I'm like, man, I just want to slap someone. But anyway, here are a couple of pull quotes there. Arsenio target Paolo Dybala and his girlfriend Oriana Sabatini have been censored by TikTok after attempting the viral one-arm lift challenge. And folks, anytime I hear about a viral challenge, yes, I definitely want to slap someone sometimes twice. The Juventus frontman lifted Sabatini up in the air under her thigh as the couple's two pet dogs, Kaya and Bowen, looked on. And folks, when they say that the Juventus front man lifted her in the air under her thigh, he actually went between her legs with his hand and grabbed her in the hoo-hoo. He just uh, went in and grabbed that thing and lifted her up. And I suspect that is why even TikTok was like, Even we cannot uh, have that up on our website, man. I'll tell you what, though. I am glad for Oriana's sake that she is a cisgender woman, right? She has the original hardware because if she had been a transgender woman and the hardware had not been put in, the new stuff had not been put in, that would have hurt like hell. They would have been like, ah, when he grabbed her like that. Good God. And I still, folks, I just... I'm looking at that because I watched the video. I'm like, I couldn't help myself. I had to watch a TikTok video. I'm like, what the hell are they talking about? So I, and it was right there. It was embedded in the news article on The Sun. I was like, OK, I am not going to go to TikTok and watch that. But it was right there. So I hit play. And I'm like, man, he actually grabbed her right there in her hoo-hoo and lifted her up. And I'm like, who would think to do that, folks? Who would think to grab your girlfriend's hoo-hoo and put that up online? <laughs> they think that is the classy thing to do. So Paulo and Oriana, man, you two, I don't know who's dumber. But in any case, bless your hearts. Bless both your hearts and bless your hoo-hoo, Oriana, for having to take that abuse. Okay, we are done with our news quick hits and we are going into our stories. Do I sound cranky, my Max? Not too terribly? <laughs> I guess. Okay, I'm just checking. I want to make sure that uh, these stories. Now, folks, I'll tell you what. These stories, even the—I have a teacher bait story in here. And even that one annoys me. That's how kind of cranky I am. Normally, I look at a teacher bait story and I'm like, man— That is going to be fun. I can laugh my ass off on that one, but even the teacher bait story pisses me off. So I apologize again, folks. I do not mean to bleed on the audience, but uh, today, yes, I have my cranky pants on. So let's, let's just go ahead and dig in and get this over with. This one is from Pink News. This is why straight men have sex with other men, according to a sociology professor. And when I saw that headline, folks, I just immediately thought of iced tea. And we talked about this on another podcast, but There was a, I don't know, whatever crime show Ice-T is on, he had that whole episode where he had to go explaining about allegedly straight black men who go and have sex with other men, right? And they do it on the down low. So poor Ice-T. And I felt bad for Ice-T, right? Because I really felt bad that this poor actor had to deliver these lines. (laughs) Oh, yeah, they're on the down low. And then he had to explain what the down low meant. And I was like, God, this is... Great acting, right? Because he could do that with a straight face and not just storm off the set and go, what the blank, blank, blank? Do I have to deliver these stupid lines for I got to talk to these stupid white actors and explain to them about the down low? But apparently, folks, there are other people who are on the down low. Man, we should get Ice tea, White Boat Malcolm X. We should have gotten Ice tea, rather. We should have gotten iced tea to read this story for us. And he could have talked about the down low a little bit better than I can. But I will give it a try A sociology professor has finally answered the age-old question, why do straight men enjoy, and folks, straight men is in quotes, straight men enjoy sex with other men. In his new book, Still Straight, Sexual Flexibility Among White Men in Rural America, so iced tea, forget it. I'll take care of this when I got to deal with white men in this, so you do not want to have to explain white men and being on the down low. I will take that burden from you, sir. UBC professor Tony Silva explores the secretive sex lives of men who have hookups, sexual friendships, and even loving relationship with other men, yet continue to identify as straight. Well, at least they're not super straight because we know they are. If you are super straight, folks, I know that you are aligned with the alt-right and the Nazis. So I hope no Nazis are listening to this program. Good God, White Boy Malcolm X, that would be embarrassing. But all you straight men out there, we know what you're doing behind closed doors. You dirty, naughty girls, you. Drawing on 60 interviews across the U.S., Silva challenges the common notion that such men are simply closeted due to their internalized homophobia. 60 men, White Boy Malcolm X. This guy goes across the country, finds 60 men. I mean, I don't think that that can be extrapolated to uh, the general population of quote-unquote straight white men. I think that would be more or less a a large case study, but I don't see that as... Oh, I interviewed 60 guys, so I know all these straight guys are out there just banging their friends behind their wives' back. Yeah, I'm just going to write a book, Sexual Flexibility Among White Men in Rural America, because I know those hayseeds out in Iowa and Kansas and Oklahoma and all those other redneck places like Louisiana too, right? They're all just... That's for you, Summit Mistress. They're all just kind of banging guys behind their girlfriend's back, probably in Colorado too. <laughs> you folks better watch out there. You women out there, you women with men at home, married or just your, you know, your shack up boyfriend, what have you. You women out there, when you are not plotting to be racist pigs like I know you are, right? You white women out there, I am gonna keep my eye on you because I know what little Nazis you all are, how oppressive you are to capital B black folks out there. You. The BIPOC folk out there, I know you women are at the root of all this because, hey, you know, I read the woke literature, right? Woke Miller here. I am the most woke person that I know, right? And I know you white women out there are trouble. But you white women out there, even though you're out there causing trouble with the BIPOC folk, your men, they are at home banging their best friend behind your back. So you and your girlfriends better keep an eye on your man before they keep doing other people. The majority of the men I interviewed reported that they are primarily attracted to women, not men, he explained in the Georgia Strait. For some, it's just about having a more active sex life. They don't consider gay sex cheating and see it as a loophole in their marriage. Some held stereotypical beliefs about female sexuality and feared that female lovers would become emotionally clingy and threaten their marriage. For others, sex with men allows them to experience pleasure without the pressure to be in control, Some were simply lonely and unsure how to reach out for human touch in a way that felt masculine. I find it particularly interesting and ironic that their conservative beliefs about gender actually encouraged them to have sex with men, Silva noted. So white boy Malcolm X, I think he's talking about white Republican men in flyover country. They're the ones out banging their, banging their friends. I figured, folks, I figured it would be the pansy liberal men who would be out there doing that, but I guess not in this case. As to why these men maintain that they are straight rather than bisexual, he says there are many reasons for this too. One thing is they probably don't want to be associated with someone who would do anyone. right. They're like, okay, I might sleep with men on the side, but I'm going to be a little picky there. <laughs> I don't want to be known as bisexual. That just comes off as weird, right? Because we all know about weird bisexual folks. They are everywhere. Most of the men identified as straight because they felt that this identity best reflected their romantic relationships with women, Their integration in communities composed mostly of straight people or the way they understood their masculinity, the professor said. Identifying as straight also meant that they could avoid stigma and feel connected to a socially dominant group. Many felt that sex with men was irrelevant to their identities given other aspects of their lives. They felt that heterosexuality and masculinity were normal and expected of them. Well, okay then. (laughs) Folks, I don't know what to add to that, except that, uh, hey, you white conservative men out there, I know what you're doing. All you queens out there, I mean, hey, if you are in flyover country, you are a queen, you're out there and you see some hot stud of a man, he's got some white woman with him, you know she's a racist anyway, but you see her and him together and you're like, man, I would love to get with that guy, but ah, that woman, I guess he's straight. Hey, (laughs) you never know these days, you might, you know, give him a wink and see what he does. (laughs) goodness. Okay then. Folks, the circus is back and there are more woke clowns for you and me to laugh at. From the post-millennial, Boston doctors call for racially discriminating against patients in order to promote social justice. And what do I tell you folks whenever you see the word justice? Somebody's about to get screwed. Two doctors in Boston, of course, have called for the allocation of medical resources to be done on the basis of race. Writing in the Boston Review, they call for the implementation of standards that would show racial preference to patients. This would be in addition to federal reparations. In other words, folks, they want to bump Whitey out of line. Dr. Bram Wispelwee and Dr. Michelle Morse. And White Boy Malcolm X, look at this picture of Dr. Bram Wispelwee. Look at this. Thank you. Gay face. (laughs) Exactly. If Dr. Bram Withbowee is anywhere near straight, I will eat this article. Both of whom teach at, of course, Harvard Medical Schools, a couple of douchebags, wrote their mission was to comprehensively confront structural racism. I thought their mission would be to heal patients, but no, it is to confront structural racism. To go about this, they plan to enlist the tools of critical race theory, They slam what they call colorblind policies, or the concept of equality for individuals of all races and ethnicities under the law, saying that it is not achieving their desired ends with enough speed. For their part, and to create anti-racist institutional change and screw whitey all at the same time, which they say is essential to supplement federal reparations, they have created a pilot program that will undertake institutional action. The basis for this institutional action is the concept of applicative justice. Uh Uh-oh, folks, let's find out what that is. Applying justice to those who don't now receive it. This, they say, is as opposed to more idealistic conceptions of justice. That pilot program adopts a reparations framework of acknowledgement, redress, and closure, or as they call it, a healing arc, with initiatives for all three components. Each centers black and latinx. Uh Uh-oh, white boy Malcolm X a snooty white liberal. You know that Dr. Bram Withbowee is a snooty white liberal. And I bet you folks, I bet you that was his word, because I'm sure Dr. Michelle Morse was reading all this and going, the tanks. what the hell? Oh, that's right. Bram, I forgot you are a snooty white liberal. That's right. We can keep tinks the in there. It's like, yes, I just, I like the word latinx. It just rolls right off the tongue. And I just, it's such a better word. I just want to be a a woke white person. And I know that woke white people love the word latinx. And I'm a woke white person. So I love the word latinx. I just put it everywhere. I write latinx everywhere I can. (laughs) Okay, anyway, picking back up on that. Each centers black and latinx patients and community members those most impacted by unjust heart failure management and under whose direction appropriate restitution can begin to take shape. Okay, I'm over this. Sorry, folks, I'm going to curse if I have to keep reading this. I am tired of these woke clowns. White Boy Malcolm X, I do have one question for you before I can this story. What do you think, White Boy Malcolm X? Heaven forbid, folks, heaven forbid, I'm not wishing any ill will on anyone, even that snooty white liberal Dr. Bram Withbowie But what do you think, White Boy Malcolm X, let's say, heaven forbid, something happens to Dr. Bram Wistbelwee, right? He is diagnosed with, I don't know, a brain tumor, stage two cancer, something serious, but that is treatable if you get it to it in time. What do you think? What is the bet that Dr. Bram Wistbelwee, right, that that snooty white liberal from Harvard Medical School, Dr. Bram is going to be like, you know what? I just, I know I've got this brain tumor and I know we can treat it, but... I would just feel so guilty if I were to take the radiation treatments and have a BIPOC person forgo their treatment. So I am just going to live with this brain tumor until it takes me. What do you think, White Boy Malcolm X? And you folks out there, what's the bet that Dr. Bram Whitbowie is gonna get his ass to the front of any line? for cancer treatments or tumor treatments, what have you, to get that brain tumor, get that whatever cancer out of him as quickly as possible. He doesn't give a crap who he has to step on to do it. I guarantee you folks that Bram Wispely is not going to give up his place in line for any treatment under any circumstances to anyone, BIPOC or not. And that, folks, that is how I know they are a bunch of fake social justice warriors and a bunch of woke clowns. From Fox 2 Detroit, here is our teacher bait story. Former Lake Orion High School teacher accused of sex with student faces judge for first time. Former Lake Orion High School teacher Kathleen Kate Boozer, her last name folks is Boozer, was in court Friday for her arraignment on charges that she sexually assaulted her then 16-year-old student Ryan Crew, who told his story in late December. Boozer was arraigned in court on four charges after Crew said his story was heard and investigated by the Oakland County Sheriff's Office. According to Crew, he had a sexual relationship with his former Spanish teacher in 2014 when he was 16 and she was 28. So White Boy Malcolm X, I just want to make sure I have a complete story here real quick. Let's just do a quick summary. So in 2014... She bangs him, and now it's 2020. I guess it was last year, last December, when he tattled on her. So six years he waited. He held that secret, and not quite as long as Anthony Rapp did before he shafted. He stuck that knife in uh, Kevin Spacey's back, but he waited six years, folks, to go, you know what? I'm kind of ticked off about that. I'm going to tattle on my teacher. <laughs> so yes, I, did, I, did I get that right? Yes. Okay, okay. Just want to make sure. I, uh, I just assumed yes, right? So I Okay, so six years. He waited about six years or so before he decided... You know what, that was wrong and I'm going to tattle on her. Crew spoke at length in December to Fox 2 about the relationship, saying that he tried to hide until the memories eventually consumed him. I have some pretty good ones and I have some that are pretty haunting, Crew said. Crew's life gradually began to morph from picture perfect to dark and depressing. The downward spiral started in his junior year, the fall of 2014. The catalyst to his darkest days, he says, was Boozer, a young, popular, and attractive teacher. So white boy Malcolm X, it doesn't sound like he had too much of a good time there. So, all right, I mean, his darkest days? Man, I bet she's like, well, why wasn't that a bad allay, was I? You're 16, like, what the hell do you know? So I guess he was kind of, uh, he seemed like he wasn't enjoying himself when he had sex with her. He keeps calling it his darkest days. That is an insult, man. Not only is he tattling on her, he's saying she sucked in bed. It was after school, one of the first times that there was any physical interaction, that was incredibly inappropriate, he said. And he said it six years later. He said they had some form of sexual intercourse multiple times, sometimes in her own classroom at school. We made a chore out of getting big sheets of black construction paper and covering every window in the classroom, including even the small notch window in the door so that there was no way to see in the classroom, he said. Natalie Hatowski, his mother and also an educator, went to Lake Orion administrators with her concerns about the relationship before she even realized it was sexual. And folks, if that woman, Nancy Hotowski, was an educator, she knows, folks, she knows what fresh teacher bait looks like, so I bet she was like, hmm... I wonder, I wonder if anyone is looking at my son going, num, 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 num. I want me that fresh teacher bait. I got to get that fresh teacher bait. Right, folks? Who else would know about teacher bait, right, than another teacher? So she probably knew that something was up. She's like, that teacher and my son, hmm, I don't have proof that they're having sex. But if I know a teacher, she's going to try to bag my boy in some time. So she goes over, shuffles over to there <laughs> to the uh, the school administrators over there. She's like, I think she's doing something to my boy. You better look into it. They're like, okay, anyway, let's pick back up. The district said they investigated and contacted the Oakland County Sheriff's Department. However, Undersecretary Mike McAbee said in December that they weren't notified until 2019. The statute says they need to call us. We are the ones law enforcement determines whether it's credible or not, he said. The Oakland County Prosecutor's Office continued to look into the case but chose not to pursue charges in December after our story aired and the current administration reviewed the case again. Charges were filed. So, quick summary, folks this guy, this kid, banging the teacher, right, has sex with the teacher, calls it his darkest days, has some really pretty haunting memories, right? And the mother suspects something. She goes and complains because she knows about fresh teacher bait, prying, eyeing it up herself. <laughs> Maybe, who knows? She's a teacher. You can't assume that to not be within the realm of possibilities, right? But anyway, so the kid finally comes forward six years later and he's like, man, My teacher banged me, and you'll think, wow, that is just an amazing story, and good for him for tattletaling on her, and how dare she take advantage of that boy and abuse him that way and have sex with him. But folks, there's one tiny little fact that this story from Fox 2 Detroit leaves out, but the Toronto Sun put into their version of the story, right? Because I have to make sure that I have all the facts in the case before I come onto my podcast and report on these sorts of things, because I'm like, something is fishy with this story, Right. Guess how many times, folks, she and he had sex, right? He's complaining the sex was horrible. You know, he's got these haunting memories, right? The darkest days depressed him to have sex with her. Guess how many times he banged her? White by Malcolm X. No, not five times. You are wrong. Guess again. No, not even 10 times. I'm not even going to play this game with you. Shut up. Folks, he had sex with her. According to the Toronto Sun, he banged this teacher over 100 times times. So he went to town on her a hundred times plus, right? He's bam, 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 right? He is banging her left and right, banging her in the classroom. God knows where else they were having sex, but dozens and dozens and dozens and dozens and dozens of times, those two are tapping it. She is enjoying it. She is loving that teacher bait. I mean, it's like a teacher bait buffet to this teacher. She had this teenage boy over a hundred times. And did he say anything to anyone about it? No, not really, right? Six years later, he's like, well, she shouldn't have banged me a hundred times. He was having a damn good time, folks, right? He got a hundred free orgasms out of that woman, if not more, because like 16-year-old boy, boom, let's do it again, right? So he is, uh, now he's complaining. That is the issue I'm having with this. It's like, son, after the first time, after she touched you inappropriately, before you had sex the first time, you should have run out of that damn classroom, not take black construction paper and put it up in all the windows so nobody sees you doing it. And you do it 100 times, and now it's a problem, right? You should have said something before the first time, before the 10th time, before the 20th time, before the 50th time, before the 75th time, right? You should have said something, and you should have said something that year, right, to hold this in for six years ago. Oh, by the way, I banged my teacher six years ago. I banged her over 100 times, and now I'm offended. Now I have nightmares about it. It's just kind of to me, it's just, what the Blank. (laughs) It's just the stupidest thing I've ever heard. This kid is a complete freaking idiot to be complaining about this now. Now it is an issue. I hate to say it, White Boy Malcolm X, but (laughs) that's how cranky I am. I actually feel bad for the teacher bait, and I always tell these ladies, Never, ever, 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 ever get a boy to do a man's job. What the hell were you thinking? Why would you do this? Why would you rape a child? But you know, what? in this case, I'm like, he's going along for the ride for a hundred times. I mean, that's got to be months and months and months and months and months of sex, right? He must have been doing it all over the place and for months, right? They must have been doing it a lot and for a very long time. And for him to bring this up now, it's just to me, it's just, it's a joke. If anyone deserves probation for screwing a student, and let's face it, a lot of teachers get off with just probation, a light little slap on the wrist there. If anyone deserves it, it's this chick. But still, ladies, don't do it. Just just don't do it. These boys will tattletale. They tattletale on you. You think they're like little girls. They're (laughs) going to snitch and throw your ass under the bus. Trust me. And if I'm not aggravated enough, folks, I have to come onto this... (laughs) I don't even know how I'm gonna do this with a without slamming my head into a desk, right? Uh, this is from the advocate. Cis men like Jesse Single, Dan Savage, don't decide what's transphobic. So I have to come on this program and defend Dan Savage. <laughs> Miley Cyrus wasn't enough. Demi Lovato wasn't enough. I had to defend those two idiots from being called transphobic, right? So now I have to come on. Dan Savage, of all people, a professional gay. Ten years ago, folks, when we were doing this podcast live out of Denver, I mocked Dan Savage regularly because I called him a professional. Well, I didn't call him a professional gay back in the day. I called him something else, a professional. I'll let you fill out whatever word you want to put in there. But yes, I mocked dan savage mercilessly i just thought he was a bit of a fraud but now now folks i have to come on this program and defend him because even dan savage who folks let me tell you something he's got i wouldn't even say gold he's got platinum whatever fancy metals are above and beyond platinum right he's got that level credentials within the gay community he is as you know down for the gay struggle as any single person, whatever their gender choice is, whatever their sexual orientation, whatever their funky pronouns are, he is like above and beyond most people, right? He is uh, he is like the king or the queen in this case, the queen of gay activism and gay rights. And uh, they're going after Dan Savage now. So if I have to uh, defend Miley Cyrus, Demi Lovato, and Dan Savage, White Boy Malcolm X, I'm going to the roof of this house and I'm going to throw myself right <laughs> off it. That's what kind of mood I'm in. Anyway, let's go ahead and dig in. Gay writer Dan Savage has long been one of the most visible and outspoken voices on LGBTQ plus issues and sexuality. He's considered an expert by most. So when he tweeted the other day in defense of former New York magazine journalist and alleged transphobe Jesse Single, and what does alleged mean? Well, transphobe is whatever you want to make it, right? (laughs) Whatever, however you want to define it, that's what a transphobe is, so that's probably the case here. People saw it as an unofficial spokesperson for the LGBTQ plus community defending single against trans Twitter extremists. That seems a bit redundant. Trans Twitter extremists. Hmm. I want to say I challenge anyone to listen to this interview at Jesse Single did with youth gender clinician Dr. Erica Anderson and tell me he's transphobic, Savage tweeted on Monday. But I know people will continue to insist he's transphobic, but he isn't. Well, I mean, if you look at what J.K. Rowling said, right, uh, what she put out there, and I read that here on this podcast, what she said is nowhere near transphobic, but she talked about women's rights, right? And and if you, if you muddle the definition of what it is to be a woman, then you erase what it is to be a woman, right? If anyone can be a woman, they can just say, hey, I'm a woman, right? And there's no clear-cut definition of what that is, then it just kind of eviscerates what gender is in general, and that's what she was saying, and of course, what's the reaction from these... uh Trans Twitter extremists, you're a transphobe. And of course, with J.K. Rowling being a woman, right, you're a turf, right? So those are the sorts of names they get to call. But yeah, it's the same situation, right, where you can talk about something and you want to have a an intellectual discussion, but you can't have an intellectual discussion with trans Twitter extremists. I like that phrase. So uh, hey, I'm going to take that from Dan Savage. Dan, I'm stealing that from you. This all started on Monday when Single was added to GLAD's Accountability Project, which according to GLAD is a resource for journalists and the general public which documents anti-LGBTQ words and actions from politicians, commentators, organizational heads, journalists, and other public figures who are often quoted in mainstream media about LGBTQ issues. So White Boy Malcolm X, I have a new goal. (laughs) I know what list I want to be added to. So far, it sounds like single is a perfect candidate for the list. While he is cisgender, Single is considered one of the leading voices in journalism on trans issues, especially by fellow cis people. When the person writing about an issue that scares you looks like you, you're more likely to listen to him. However, instead of using his platform on trans issues to talk about the 44 trans people who were murdered last year, or the over 80 anti-trans bills in state legislatures, or the high rates of poverty, suicidal ideation, and violent crime victimization that trans people face, he focuses all his trans writing on people who aren't trans. Single couches his infamous 2018 Atlantic article in language that makes you think the story is about trans people, when in fact it's about gender nonconforming people and others who had thought they were trans. In the much derided piece, of course, by trans Twitter extremists, Single spoke to numerous individuals who detransitioned and highlighted children who initially described themselves as trans but later desisted and stopped experiencing gender dysphoria. And this article in The Advocate, folks, it does go on for quite a while, so I'm not going to continue reading it. But what uh, what Jesse Single wrote in Atlantic does remind me a lot about uh, Abigail Schreier's book, and that's called Irreversible Damage, the Transgender Craze Seducing Our Daughters. And what she did in her book was she did look at cases where People thought that they were transgender and, you know, about the medications and all this kind of, and we've talked about that a number of times on this program where people are like, oh, if your four-year-old comes to you and says, well, mommy, I think I'm a girl today, right? The normal thing to do, the thing you're supposed to do is get that child on whatever hormones they need to make that transition. And okay, let's go buy them princess dresses and let's go ahead and treat them like a girl and let's go ahead and do the girl name and we'll forget the dead name, the boy's name, right? And we're going to go ahead and the four-year-old can make that decision and everyone's just supposed to jump to and uh, let that go forward and right and that is not always the case it doesn't always work out well right because there as they say there's a lot of situations where there is a there's suicide ideation high rates of poverty there are a lot of issues within the transgender community where this stuff just makes a mess or continues to make an even bigger mess of some people's lives and it's not for everyone right just because someone comes out and says well hey today I'm a girl or hey today I'm a boy right that doesn't mean you should just rush right into this thing. And, you know, we had a story a couple months back where they're literally doing telehealth medicine in England, and a little teenager can go on that thing and get the hormones to start their transition process, right, without the parent's permission, right? So this thing, it's big money, right? Planned Parenthood makes huge bank selling these sorts of hormones to, to kids, right? So this is situation, and if you if you question that, right, if you're like, well, you know what? Maybe we should kind of step back from this. Maybe we should look at the fact that this is not always a wonderful and beautiful thing for all people. If you say something like that, if you think that, right? First class ticket to the re-education camps, but yeah, you can't say that because if you do, you're a transphobe, you're a turf, you're a bigot, you're all sorts of names, because you're not allowed to question orthodoxy. And orthodoxy says if a, a two-year-old, a three-year-old, if they are a certain gender, everyone is supposed to fall in line and accept that without question at any time. And if you do, you are in a world of hurt with these people. I tell you what, though, White Boy Malcolm X, I tell you what, we have this article, folks, on Sunday's podcast about white rage, right? All these BIPOC uh, elitist uh, authors and uh, professors, right? They were... uh, They were humble bragging about their book sales and their tenured professorships, right? Oh, we're we're tenured professors. We have high book sales. Those kind of folks. And they were just going on and on and on about white rage. (laughs) And I'm like, you want to talk about rage? Go look in the mirror. All the BIPOC rage directed at Whitey. But uh, you want to talk about rage, right? (laughs) Look at the transgender rage if you go against orthodoxy. I tell you what, I think that this is more of a cult than anything. It's a transgender cult. And if you go against the cult... You are in a lot of trouble, and all poor Dan Savage is trying to do is, you know, bring some reason and some calm to this conversation. But they don't want it. You cannot disagree, folks. You cannot disagree with them in any way, shape, or form, unless you're me. And I'll do it any damn time I want. <laughs> so screw you. You can call me a transphobe. You can put me on your stupid glad list. Kiss my gay middle-aged ass. Right. <laughs> Whatever. White Malcolm X, we are down to two stories. We are almost done with this podcast. I want to, uh, yeah, I want to take my cranky pants off and have a beer (laughs) after this. uh, Okay, let's go ahead and dig in. This is from TMZ. U.S. Olympic Committee will not punish athletes for anthem kneeling at U.S. Olympic trials. So you woke clowns out there who are Olympians, you can misbehave at will. The kneeling ban for athletes at the U.S. Olympic trials is over. The U.S. Olympic and Paralympic Committee has decided it will not punish athletes who take the knee or engage in any other sort of peaceful protest at the Olympic trials. In other words, American athletes hoping to use the platform to shine a spotlight on police brutality and racial injustice are now allowed to follow that fake social justice warrior Colin Kaepernick's lead without fear of sanctions. I wonder, White Boy Malcolm X, I wonder how Colin Spack is doing these days. I wonder if he is raising enough money to buy his woke company so he can make more bank off his fake social justice activism. The USOPC issued a nine-page explanation. So how many pages does it take, folks, to say, okay, you can take the knee? Nine. It takes nine pages to do that. Some idiot. They must have had to use crayons or something acknowledging it decided to implement—and let's face it, folks, they're athletes, right? They're not the brightest bulbs in the shop. Acknowledging it decided to implement the new policy after conferring with its new council on racial and social justice. Uh Uh-oh, folks, someone's getting screwed. The organization spells out several forms of peaceful protest that will be allowed at the U.S. Olympic trials, from kneeling to raised fists to wearing clothing items with statements like Black Lives Matter and justice— it won't be a free for all. <laughs> You're yeah, right. There are still limits regarding how athletes can demonstrate. You want to make a bet? You people are fools. <laughs> They are going to be grandstanding. Well, he nailed. And that one put their fist at. So I got to go do something even better. I got to be even more woke. I got to outwoke everyone else because I want Nike to see me and go, hmm, maybe I'll give them some sort of multimedia deal and I can sell Nike sneakers and I can make huge bank just like Colin Kaepernick, right? I can be a fake social justice warrior and parlay that because let's face it, if you're a runner or a swimmer or what have you, what are you going to do with the rest of your life? Sell cars? Who knows, right? You can be a social justice warrior and make huge, huge, huge bank Running around, screaming about how evil Whitey is. <laughs> okay, Enough of this. I can't take this anymore. And finally, folks, as if I'm not aggravated enough, this is from Zero Hedge. UK government minister says people should call out others for hugging their loved ones. Sounds like COVID Karen has a job on her hands. Let's find out more. A government minister appeared on morning television to urge Brits to call out others if they are seen engaging in an odd way such as hugging their loved ones. i tell you what, folks, I would think that in an odd way would mean something other than hugging granny, but I guess these days it is exactly that. Nigel Huddleston, the UK's Minister for Tourism and Sport, I don't know why he's involving himself with hugging, but made the remarks during an interview spot on BBC Breakfast. Despite the temptation, please don't risk the health of your loved ones by actually hugging them, said Huddleston before going on to suggest that people should intervene if they witness such dreadful behavior. And folks, let's face it, from our hokey-cokey story, if there's anyone who can intervene, who should intervene in this sort of situation, yes, folks, it is COVID Karen. What are you doing? What are you doing? Get your hands away from them. What are you-, you can't hug them. You're not allowed to hug them. They're not allowed to do that. Stop that. Stop that. Stop that. Hey, hey, where's your mask? Where's your mask? Oh, I'm going to call the police. I'm going to call my friend. And I'm going to call my 6 And I'm going to have you arrested. And I know that you were in the park the other week doing the hockey talky I know that was you. And now you're hugging all people. You're not supposed to do that. I'm going to go tell out on you. How dare you? Get away. Get away. Get away. <laughs> That is what COVID Karen is going to do. She is going to yell at anyone. She could be out on the prowl or she could be calling Popo to do it for her, just like that snitch did with the hokey-cokey story. We all know the rules. If you see someone behaving in a slightly odd way, then maybe call them out on it in a respectful way. Oh, well, we blew that, didn't we, White-Bomacomax? Because COVID Karen, folks, she is not going to be respected. She is going to tattle because sometimes people just forget, he added. And I also forgot, folks, man, I cannot believe I forgot this. Folks, we had a story in Sunday's podcast about COVID Karen or Karen in general, right? Karens call the police just to watch black people get killed. I mean, <laughs> and folks, I didn't make that up. That was right there in a news story that they said that Karen, and I just, yeah, any kind of Karen, COVID Karen, you know, dog walking Karen, whoever kind of Karen, hugging Karen, grandma hugging Karen, whatever. Karens call the popo to watch black people get shot. <laughs> that is apparently. A known fact in the BIPOC community, but uh, who knew? But if they need something more respectful, I can only think of one thing, White Boy Malcolm X. I can only think of one person who could be more respectful. You don't want COVID Karen going, get away, get away, get away. Don't you hug them. Get your mask on. Put your mask on. Put your masks on. Mask on. Get away. You're not supposed to be doing that, right? You don't want that, right? You need someone who is respectful. So who can we use that is respectful of other people? Correct, sir. Queens with clipboards. I don't know, though, folks. I don't know if a queen with a clipboard would lower themselves to doing this kind of work, but uh, you never know. Hi there. Um I'm so sorry to interrupt. Yes. Uh, hi. I am uh, I'm from the government. Yes. Nigel Huddleston sent me. He is the uh the minister for tourism and sport. But I don't know quite why he sent me because I'm like that has nothing to do with why I'm here, right? It has nothing to do with tourism and it certainly has nothing to do with sport. I mean, I know what that that idiot's doing. But anyway, I'm here. And I've got a clipboard and I've got a pen and I'm sorry I have to say this, but I'm going to say it in a very respectful way. You are not allowed to hug that old lady there. You're just not, and honey, you are old, and you need some. Jesus Christmas, I'm gonna let, let you and I talk later because you need some face cream, dear. Oh my God, I just all oh, those bags. Oh Jesus Christmas, I, I don't know if I can stare at you with a uh, without blinding myself. Oh and anyway, you little boy, you just need to. I, I don't care that that's your grandmother. Look, sweetie, I'm not going to check this box if you don't step away from your grandmother. And I don't care about your uh, your, your shots there. I just I, Not my issue. It's not on the clipboard, right? Hugging, no hugging, right? I'm going to check the hugging box and you're going to be in a lot of trouble. Nigel is going to come down here and and he's got a COVID Karen down the street and she will yell at you. I'm trying to be respectful here. So I really, really need you not to hug your grandmother. And please don't cry. Please. Uh, Jesus Christmas, what the not get myself into with this one. I'm gonna just wring that stupid Nigel's neck. I just listen, folks. We really just no hugging. No, I don't care if you've got two masks. I, I tell you what. If if we can get you two bubbles, and then you guys can try to hug in the bubbles, the little circular bubbles. You just put you in the bubble. You can roll around and have fun. It'd be like a fun granny. You might puke and stuff, in those, but it might help those bags. And, but anyway. You don't like that idea? I, I just need to check a box. Folks, that's my job. I'm here. I have a clipboard. I have a pen. I just want to check a box. Why don't we get you all like big human suits, like a spacesuit? You like a spacesuit? You like to be a spacesuit kid? Perfect. I, okay, we'll go ahead. And I'm going to go check that box and we are just, I'm done with this. I just, Jesus Christmas. What did I get myself into? <laughs> Poor queens with clipboards, white boy Malcolm X. I would actually feel bad for a queen with a clipboard if they had to go and police that sort of thing, hugging, hugging granny like that. <laughs> Oh, well. And on that note, folks, since I cannot top a queen with a clipboard trying to talk in a respectful manner with a little grandkid and the grandma about not hugging, we are going to go ahead and plug-pull this podcast. Thank you so much for stopping by today's podcast of The Miller Frost Show. Remember, you can get hold of me via email at Miller at MillerFrostOnline.com and my parlor handle, and you got to come by and say hi to me on parlor is at MillerFrost. Have a great rest of your week. Have a great start to your weekend. And I don't know if we are going to watch the uh, Zach Efron cut or the Zach Snyder cut of the uh, Justice League there with the Speed Queen and the Sea uh, King and, I don't know, Wonder Woman, Batman, and uh, Superman. I guess they're all in there. And that robot, that guy, the capital B black guy, the robot guy, whatever his name is. We will be slogging through that four-hour nightmare. <laughs> we will let you know how that is on Sunday. But in the meantime, have a great couple of days and we will see you back here soon. Take care.